0: We're living in gives cause for apprehension with speed and new invention and things like third dimension. Yet we get a trifle weary with Mr. Einstein's theory. So we must get down to earth at times. Relax, relieve the tension. No matter what the progress of what may yet be proved the simple facts of life are accepted. They cannot be removed. Hello, this is the Practice of Film Podcast 2022. Uh, I'm Tom Farrell with...
1: And I'm Fran Hughes. Hello and welcome to the Practice of Film Criticism 2022 Podcast. Today we will be talking about Mike Mills' film, 20th Century Women. Although the film is called 20th Century Woman, it is is as much concerned with masculinity as it is with feminism and what it means to be a woman.
0: So, what's the film about? I think we should probably start with that.
1: A good idea, Tom. The film is about a middle-aged mother called Dorothea, played by Annette Bening, she lives in Santa Barbara in nineteen seventy-nine and she's struggling to come to terms with um changing like landscape of the world. Both personally as her teenage son is growing up and becoming his own person. And also politically and socially. She doesn't really understand what um punk is. She is quite baffled by it but does make efforts to try and understand it. But she's very much still concerned um, with the films of Humphrey Bogart and is, like, living as a product of the bygone era in a time that she is struggling to understand. But I do admire that she attempts to understand it, like, she doesn't um, shut herself off from, like, the possibilities it has to offer.
0: Yeah, in many ways, this is one of the most outright like films I could describe as pleasant out of all the ones that we've done on this module so far. Like It's a coming-of-age film, I think you could probably quite confidently say.
1: I would say it's a coming-of-age film in terms of um, Jamie, who is Dorothy's son in the film, and his friend, Julie. But I would also say it kind of goes beyond that because... I think it's as much about the adult characters finding themselves as it is the teenage characters.
0: Yeah. And pleasant in the sense that you never feel like they're going to massively fail. They are such kind people, generally speaking. It's not like Stand By Me, where the adults have failed the children. It's not like Black Swan, where the adults have really failed the child, or child in uh, body.
1: All of the... Um, Adults and just people in the film in general are really trying their um, best, like their hearts in the right place, um, and I think that's part of what makes the film enduring. Is that like you really?
0: It's very like a human portrait. It's very macro. It's small, um, uh, but like it shows these interstitial, um, larger visual representations of things so like the literally the landscape of dorothea's world is changing and they show that um in like old footage or in the like montage, the climate yes. footage and so on and all sorts
1: like the landscape has changed in 1979 in comparison to the past in the present and the climate footage um and um clips regarding HIV and AIDS, just shows that the that world is always going to be changing.
0: Yeah, it's... At first, I think one of my reservations about the film was like how low stakes it feels. So if it is so small, uh, why should the audience care if we've seen gangsters and kaijus so far in this module? But really, the looming threat, I suppose, is like, Jamie's got to deal with the world. And that is terrifying to Dorothea, if he doesn't do it right.
1: I think, throughout the film, Jamie refers to um, Dorothea growing up in the depression and like don't worry about her, like she's just from the depression. And then, then it it adds to like the comedic moments in the film, I also think the depression um, upbringing contributes to her need. To control things, um, and I think it scares her that like she's losing her like influence and like grip on Jamie, and he's no longer someone that she can control. And I don't think she wants to control him in a um, horrible way, like whatsoever. I don't think she's like an abusive parent. It's more that she wants to like protect him from um, the harm <laughs> of the outside world.
0: She recognizes that Jamie is his own man. Or will be his own man, and that is the, that is the kind of crux of the film. She wants to equip him with the right lessons, the right equipment. Like, and, and the kind of conflict of the film is disagreeing on what that equipment is or should be.
1: It's like she wants to give him like an emotional t- toolbox to like go out into the world, and not just survive, but thrive. Um, like, yeah. but that is <laughs> easier said than it is done um and something i think is really interesting the film is she's so concerned with giving him um a male role model to look up to because um his father is absent and like doesn't play active role in his life so she gives him the role model of the handyman william who i think is a good person and i can see why she perceives them as like a good option to be a role model, but ultimately, just because they're two men, it doesn't mean they have um, anything in common.
0: Yeah. There's no reflection of the, okay, why could this work, why could this not? That's just the, kind of, this is the cargo of people that is meant to work. <laughs> it's yeah. like
1: she found the first man that's quite a steady presence in their lives and was like, Who does a role model?
0: Yeah, um, which is interesting, because what Jamie really needs, um, or not really needs necessarily, but what he ends up uh, benefiting from is the presence of women. And
1: going back to the title of the film, 20th Century Women.
0: Yeah, what do you think that means? Because I wasn't sure at first, and then now I I think I do.
1: I think it's the fact that he... um, learns from different women that have been sort of shaped by different eras of the 20th century. It's a tribute. Yeah. And it's the idea that um, it's kind of like guiding the audience away from the idea of like, I guess being closed minded and thinking. this is my worldview and I'm not gonna speak to people that exist outside of that. And although they um are all liberal characters, I think if they were like more different politically that would be like more difficult but um Dorothea is a progressive um woman for her generation, which we discussed in the class. She is from the era of the Great Depression, yet she trains to be um, a pilot. Yeah. But then the war ends, which is an incredibly, like, radical thing for a woman from that period to She um, has a child when she's 40 years of age, which in the, in the... I guess it would be early 70s at the time when Jamie is born, like would be seen as incredibly, like, taboo and strange. Like, you're old enough to already be a grandmother if you had your child young. Yeah. Like, why are you a mother? And also the fact that she, um, when we see her in the present day of the film, is a divorced single mother. Very much, not only presiding for Jamie, but, like, presiding her, safe space for the other characters in the film when they're in quite a like transient um, period of their lives and then I think Abby represents like a later generation of feminism
0: totally yeah Dorothea is from the we can do it kind of era of feminism that came out of like the second world war and so on whereas Abby is from the sexual revolution
1: women's liberation third wave yeah and um, I sometimes think that what's frustrated me about Abby is that not until the end of the film did she really understand that um, she stood on this, the shoulders of Dorothea and Dorothea's peers in many ways in terms of, like, feminism that she was able to be a part of. Like, that wouldn't be an option if the earlier feminism didn't exist.
0: Yeah. Um... Do you think this is a film about feminist infighting, um, or is that just a part of the greater whole?
1: To me, it's not the main part of the film, but I would say that, that quote-unquote feminist infighting represents um, that people of all age groups and like generations can learn things from one another. Um, there's lots that Dorothy learns from Jamie about the um, present-day punk music and just other things happening in the 70s that she wouldn't um, know about if Jamie and Abby and Julie like, didn't tell her those things. And then, in some ways, like Julie is even more radical than um, Abby because... She talks about her um, sexual experiences in an incredibly um, open way that is inconceivable to someone of Dorothy's um, age group, and um, I think uh, it's the idea that Julie um, she Julie doesn't want them um, shame regarding sex that people from Dorothy's age hard to be like burdened and like placed upon her and she just, she just wants to um, talk about it freely.
0: Yeah. So, do you think that maybe the resolution of the film is that every character learns universal life lessons they are more equipped? Even though, interestingly, Dorothea is so much older than Jamie but she can learn from uh, youth and from kind of the moving forward of ideas and so on.
1: Yeah, and ultimately we are two quite young people talking about this film, but...
0: I mean, hence why we have so many coming-of-age films in the kind of module.
1: <laughs> but we are going to age, as everyone does. Um, I'm sure one day there'll be music or technology that like we don't understand and we'll (laughs) look to younger people um, in our lives who explain it and like translate it to us um,
0: and that will only get faster i think as um, as
1: things evolve more quickly
0: as technology advances more quickly um maybe that's an optimistic viewpoint um but that's kind of been evident um the world becomes more and more connected and um, I think I said that's the thing with progressivism, every single one of those women is progressive, but that's the thing with it, It, progressivism progresses um, and sometimes past people um, or what they're used to and that kind of sums up Dorothea's journey quite
1: well. I think. Yeah, they're all progressive just on like, just in different ways.
0: Different parts of the 20th century?
1: Yeah. And like linking back to the title, that, that's how I um, interpret the title.
0: How do you think maybe Mike Mills's personal history plays into this? Do you think he is Jamie, so to speak?
1: Um, so I've been doing some um, research on Mike Mills's like personal life and influence on film. Um, and although he didn't position himself as Jamie. He does say that um, Dorothea is quite strongly based on his own mother. So, therefore, to an extent, Jamie is him in the film.
0: Um, I mean, that maybe comes out of um, kind of a self-effacing, uh, I'm not interesting enough to be a main character. Um, sort of
1: and he talks about how his mother wanted to be a pilot Um, couldn't because the war ended and so details of the film like that are accurate to um his real life. He also said something along the lines of um how it's hard to um describe his mother in like a simple, easy way, which is why he wanted to like capture her in this fictionalized film. Because he thought it would be an easier way to like describe who um is but a lot of Mike Mills's films draw on aspects of his personal life. So, one of his um, earlier successful films is a film called Beginners, and it's about um, this man played by Ian McGregor called Oliver, who, whose dad um, comes out as gay when um, he's 75 years old, and that's based on Mike Mills's own um, dad and that life experience. So I see um, Beginners as a tribute to his dad and their relationship, and 20th Century Women, as almost like a companion piece and a love letter to his mother.
0: So he's a very sentimental, also biographical kind of filmmaker, because I've not seen a Mike Mills film before this.
1: And in um, Come On, Come On, which is his more recent film, I would say it's less autobiographical than the other ones we've spoken about. But he has spoken about how um, having his own child and becoming a father, like, changed his view on um, children. And Come On, Come On focuses a lot on, like, giving children a voice, um, an agency, because it's about this radio journalist that goes around America um, interviewing children of various ages and asking them their opinions on, like, the state of the world, like, what the future holds. So, although it's less directly linked to his own life, I do think he wouldn't have made it. If you haven't become a father and, like, seen children as their own people with their own, like, views of the world.
0: Yeah, is Come On, Come On, do you know if it's set in present day? Yeah. That feels like a almost continuation, in a way, of um, 20th century women in that sense. Um, If we consider Jamie as Mike Mills, but also the father figure in Come On, Come On as Mike Mills. Yeah. To some extent.
1: I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent. I'm saying that come on come on, it feels like a less of a like here is my life. It's just more like, here's some things I've been pondering, like thinking
0: about. I mean, as filmmakers step on surer ground, have already stepped on surer ground with their own past, I suppose. Um, you get more distance from distant from what you have personally observed and know to be good. Yeah. Good material for a film because you've been close to it.
1: But something that I think um, reoccurs really throughout those three um, films I've talked about, and what at the moment I think I'm going to focus my video essay on, is the um, focus on parent-child or parental and child relationships um, in the three films and the three films. Um, Will take place at different stages of the child's life. So, in Come On, Come On. Um, the nephew who Joaquin Phoenix, the main character, looks after during um, a family-like crisis is nine years old. So, young, like not even a teenager, but obviously like still has his own personality and he expresses his opinions. Um, and they've only met each other a few times a year before, and now they're thrust into spending a few days together for what appears to be at least a couple of weeks. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix's character Johnny um, isn't a father himself, so it's a closest he's been to being a parent and that, having that close bond with a child. Um, and the absence of the nephew Jesse's parents is quite a Large theme film. The reason why his parents aren't around is because his father has had um, a nervous breakdown. So his mum is trying to look after the father and like help him um, receive like treatment and support. So um, there's also quite a lot, <laughs> a lot of like loss of innocence within that. So he tries to understand like where his parents are. The character of Jesse, the nephew, also says um, that his mum says, although we love each other so much, we'll never know everything about each other, and that's just the way it is. And that mirrors... um,
0: The best scene in 20th Century Women. In 20th Century Women.
1: So it's it's like something that he's um, ruminating on a lot, because in 20th Century Women... The character of Dorothea at the beginning of the film says, "I know him less and less every day." In regards to her son Jamie, as she feels like she's losing her influence over him, and then after Abby takes that photo that like captures the essence of like smiling, carefree teen Jamie, she says, "Um, you will see him out in the world, and I will never, I never will." Um. And although it although um, um, that specific quote is about parent not fully understanding a child I do think it goes both ways because um throughout the film Jamie struggles to understand who Dorothy is outside of their own relationship like outside of who she is as a parent, which is why I think he um Boxes her into, like, being from the depression and so on because it's, like, a tangible statement he can make about her because it's something he knows to be true. And I don't think she's a liar. More so I just mean, like, you can't really know um, of the aspect of your parent, especially, like, who they were before you were, like, in their life.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, the flip side of that kind of segment of the film is the fact that once Dorothea was Jamie's age, and there is so much he doesn't know, and that he can't go on to explain, as well even less. So, um, I guess that brings me back to asking you: like, do you think Mike Mills' attempts to explain how his grandmother once was through this film, like if he can't do it through words, he can do it through the moving image?
1: I I think it's about. Um, With all the semi-autobiographical films, I think it's, like, about capturing um, the essence of the people that that he loves, rather than explaining who they were, because I feel like he thinks that that will live on more than if he made, like, a documentary on like, wrote a book about them. Um, And... That is also a theme in the film, Beginners, about his gay dad. Um, So, in the film, Beginners, um, after his dad comes out as gay, like, their relationship shifts, and again, it's the examining of the parent-child relationship. This time it's quite different because in Come On, Come On it's a parent-child relationship during childhood. In 20th century WIT it's a parent-child relationship during adolescence. But in Beginners it's a parent-child relationship where they're both adults. And not only that but the father character is dying so he's now more reliant on his son to look after him and care for him then means that the dynamic is kind of, like, reversed from what it would be in childhood, um, um, and it creates, like, more of the emotional honesty. Ewan McGregor's character, who plays the same, spends a lot of the film um, reevaluating like whether he ever knew his father at all, because he never knew he was gay until um, he revealed it, and, obviously, that's... Um, so major thing to not know about someone, but I think it speaks to what we've discussed with the other films. The other girl that every single detail or that aspect of your parent or your child. Yeah. Um. And given that Beginners is set in the early two thousands, and the dad is a seventy five year old man. Ultimately, him concealing his sexuality. Um is out of like survival at least that's how it comes across it's it's not about him him not trusting or loving his own son and it's clear that he also doesn't want to um, I guess disrespect or um, bring shame upon the mother who um, is dead when he comes out as gay although he does say that he told her um, he was gay before they got married and she still decided to marry him anyway. So it's not like she's didn't um,
0: no. yeah. Did you mention what time period Beginners was set in?
1: So it's set in 2003, I think it is. Like in the pr- present day of the film, so around the period when he's dying. But then it like flashbacks to other... his life. And then it also like... Looks so at how um, Ewan McGregor is processing um, the death because the dad is terminally ill, like he has um, cancer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it raises the question of okay, um, 2003 still had a way to go with um, kind of social acceptance of um, gay people, but he waited until then, to, until 75 in 2003. Um, to come out. Um, to what extent did he kind of know himself um, as a result of like social pressures forcing him to conform? Um, you know.
1: I think a lot of the reason why he came out at that time was because his wife died, and although she knew he was gay, That's a good point. but their um, social circle didn't know he was gay, so I guess he didn't want to quite and quite embarrass her or, like, bring shame upon her, but I also think it's an interesting time period because although, um, gay marriage wasn't legal yet in America or, like, most of the countries, there were more conversations around it in, like, general, um, social acceptance due to things um, like Stonewall and similar um, LGBTQ rights movements. And it's something that's explored in the film that Christopher Plummer's character, who plays the father, seems to feel a lot of guilt that he now benefits from that activism, but um, wasn't, like, part of it because he was... As a straight no, man, um,
0: yeah. So he feels as though he belongs in neither camp. In that respect,
1: he's uh, um, trying to like figure out where he belongs. Um, and
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, 20th century woman is a lot about um, masculinity in terms of like. What does it mean to be a man if you don't have a present father figure? Which I don't think is autobiographically the case in terms of my nerves because his dad was in those Days Life. But Marys, I think, Beginners explores um, what does it mean to be a man when you are now finally exploring your sexuality because um, Christopher Plummer's character, Howe, feels like it almost feels the pressure to be um, camper or like more quote-unquote flamboyant, even though that's not who he is as a person to be um, accepted and understood um, as a gay man now that he's out in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean a great concern of Mill seems to be found family um, the idea that you don't need to be by blood, to have fulfilled those roles.
1: That's definitely true. I think 20th Century Women is ultimately about the people and places that shape us. And even at the end of the film, when each individual central character is reflecting on where they ended up.
0: They end up in totally different places that you'd have expected at the beginning of the film.
1: They all talk about what a special... um, time in their lives it was, and how they cherish it.
0: I'll make sure not to present them as archetypes, but it's people who changed and um, who are so nuanced that they can surprise you in those ways. Yeah.
1: Something someone in our class brought up is how, um, like you said, they end up in different places than you expect. So, Although she doesn't marry, Dorothy ends up in a like, long-term relationship. She was in for about 15 years, I think, before she dies. And throughout the film, she says things like, don't see the point of getting into a relationship again. And she's kind of, like, hyper-independent. Um, and as um, with spread them out, Abby is part of the women's liberation movement and, like, gives Jamie all these, like, radical feminist books that talk about, like, independence, being your own woman, having your own life. Um,
0: Books on femininity. um, Of course, like, useful for a man, but to, like, a... Like, Dorothea has a point as well where um, these are quite, like, radical texts about female identity rather than male identity obviously the two are interrelated but still
1: i think i think elements of them are helpful but i think the rate that she gives them to him are a bit overwhelming like one book slash feminist concept at a time
0: there's parts would, of the character that are over the top like the uh, would, kind of, let's all say be, menstruations would be
1: easier to um digest but um so Abby seems so radical in terms of all those books, but we know that she wants to become a mother one day and she's afraid that she can't do that due to her medical diagnosis.
0: Yeah. And then at
1: the end of the film, um, we see her with a husband and two young children and it very much like, encapsulates like this 1950s-like idea of um, suburbia and it just shows how people like evolve and change and... <laughs> she can be a stay-at-home um, housewife and still um, value of those feminist books. Like, it's not mutually exclusive.
0: Totally, yeah. Yeah, and again, the, she's somebody who is could be described by her own children as being from the 1970s uh, when it comes to feminism and so on.
1: Yeah. Um, I can imagine... Um, Children being raised by women in that age group <laughs> making that comment in an argument.
0: The film doesn't tackle fourth wave feminism because it's a period piece. Yeah. And the wheel just keeps turning, basically.
1: But in terms of what you were saying about the um, menstruation scene, yes, it seemed dramatic and top, but it begins because Abby has got her head on the table, exhausted from her period cramps, and she's asked, oh, like, cheer up, Bobby, like, what are you doing? Um, And she says, oh, no, I am menstruating, and that's why I feel like this. And then when that is, like, I guess, made <laughs> to be something to be ashamed of, that's when she um, starts telling them to say, menstruation, menstruation, loudly and proudly. So I do think it seems at the top, if you didn't see the wider context of it, but it's really because she just wants to be able to be, um, like, truthful and honest in her answer of why she feels ill and wants to, um, I guess, eradicate the shame around periods and also doesn't want women (laughs) that are younger than her, like Julie, to carry that with them.
0: Yeah, I did find it interesting how Julie... um felt inspired by Abby.
1: And I think um, when you were talking about fan family earlier, it's
0: interesting because... Julie just inserts herself into it's, this family. It's, it's not
1: like Julie needs a place to stay on the outside, as much of it is... Like with the other characters, like William and Abby, have specific reasons, why they end up in that house. Yeah. But Julie feels... Uncomfortable within her own like, biological family, um, and household, like she climbed the scaffolding, I everything that like through the window, inserting herself into um, family because that's where she feels comfortable and safe. Even if um, they somehow disagree with each other, she knows that they um, care about her and like value who she is, and also the dynamic between. Julie um, and Jamie is really interesting because uh, Jamie is in love with her and, like, is desperate to have sex with her. But I think at that age, Julie's love for Jamie, like, goes beyond sex.
0: Jamie is family to her.
1: Like, (laughs) he is family and stability to her. And she sees sex as a very, like thing.
0: Yeah, as though, Jamie, this is not you talking, this is patriarchy, this is...
1: And she says something along the lines of the film, um, I know you too much to have sex with you. Like, some people want to have sex to feel that emotional connection, but at that point in her life, she just sees it for, like, pleasure. Um, and obviously, if you view someone as your family, like, you're not going to want to have um, sex with them. So, I Jamie is disappointed that she consistently rejects him. Ultimately, I think it's a compliment, like, in terms of how much she really cares about him, yeah. because of how she views sex.
0: You mean too much to me to jeopardise this relationship? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think... <laughs> Um, the older Jamie that's narrating no right the end of the film would probably be able to see that. But when you're in the moment, you're not going to.
0: I found it interesting how this film did the whole... This is a nostalgic tribute to the experiences I had when I was younger, sort of like Stand By Me. Except we never see older Jamie, I don't think. Maybe from a distance, do we? I no, don't we know.
1: don't see him at all.
0: And we don't hear him, either. We, no just, casting.
1: we just hear the voice of the... Um, Teen journey.
0: Yeah, the film seems quite eager to make this about the women um, in that sense, um, despite having kind of a male protagonist, I think, or at least male central focal point.
1: Because it's such an ensemble film, I think I thought it hard to like nail down who the singular protagonist is, really. I feel like it shifts at different points, but I do think it's interesting how we never see him because I think that plays into the audience imagining who adult Jamie is. Like we are not given a visual for that, and we're not given, um, although we're given a visual of the other characters, they're still played by the same actor. Like yeah. it's not like they're Aged up, so... They
0: are... They remain immortal. That's kind of part of the film.
1: So, yeah. they, st- they still look the same, but, like, Abby's there, like, holding her child, but she still looks the same to an extent because she's still played by Greta Gerwig. I
0: mean, yeah, uh, Mike Mills wants to make these people forever, you know, rather than fleeting.
1: Um, And, like you said, immortalise them. Talking of, um, the immortalisation of the characters, adult Jamie talks about how, um, he just doesn't know how to describe his son's grandmother. Um, he doesn't know how to like, put her into words, how to capture her. Um, going back to what you were saying earlier, Tom, I think that's what the whole thing was about, like capturing the essence
0: of nightmares is more well. I'm glad that was the final line because it brought my favourite scene full circle. You know, um, Dorothea, as Jamie ages... Will know her son less and less. The in like the same is true for Jamie. The older Dorothea gets, the further yeah. she gets from her. And
1: naturally, you spend less time with your parents as you age. Like
0: dramatically, if, so it's like exponentially less. Like
1: if you have a good relationship with your parents, obviously you're still going to spend time with them, but like not every meal.
0: Oh, yeah, anybody listening, look up a statistical graph of how much time you've spent with your parents. Most of it is already over. <laughs>
1: um, and something that Jamie says near the end of the film that I think is really interesting is that um, he believes the deep emotional conversations um, lead to like a shift in their relationship with each other and that they'll now be more open and honest with one another as they are when they talk about the parents divorce and why he ran away with Julie at the end of the film but he says that ultimately like that was just a moment in time like it went back to normal and I think like just shows that, um how much like you can neither really know a parent or a parent know their child like Dorothy allowed some vulnerability like a day and then the sort of <laughs> persona was Um, placed back on and they never had deep emotional conversations again but obviously still loved each other a lot
0: notice how much more difficult it is to box these characters into archetypes and what they represent compared to real people, well supposed to be real, in exit through the gift shop you know, like um, things never turn out how you expect in 20th century women
1: and that's actually something that Um, Mirrors what Abby says, she says something like, however you think life is going to turn out, it won't be like that, to Jamie, which, um, although I agree with that statement, I think if I was Tina Jamie, it would have sent me into a bit of a existential, like, spiralling process.
0: Yeah, a lot of the film's conflicts seem small, but are kind of existentially kind of staggering. And I think the film's kind of observations about family and ageing and so on um, kind of do remain evergreen throughout the generations.
1: Like, when Jamie reads that um, book, he believes that he can just apply it in in a very simplistic way to Dorothea about being an aging middle-aged woman, but ultimately, like she is her own person. Something it may apply to her, but she says something about um how like you can't make a take a blanket statement and just apply that to me. Like if you want to know more about me, ask me. Like don't just
0: um that Limits, Jamie or Mike Mills. Uh, there are only so many, so much time you can ask somebody. Who are you? And you'll only get a tiny fraction.
1: Depends how much they feel <laughs> comfortable um, telling you.
0: Yeah. Would would you consider that a key theme of 20th century women is that you cannot truly know somebody so that but but loving is what that is?
1: I I think not to get too um deep here, but like when someone dies. Like Dorothy does, and we know she does before she just died because she refers to her looming <laughs> death in the narration. Even if you can't describe every single detail about them, like love is what remains when they're gone, and like things that they taught you about life and like morals and values. Something that I also might consider in the video essay, although I think I'll mainly focus on the parent-child thing. Just because it's such a strong theme throughout his filmography, um, is how Mike Mills uses archival footage and like political moments to mirror things that are happening in the character's life. So, the Jimmy Carter um, crisis of confidence speech. I think it's really important in the film because he's talking about the crisis of confidence in the nation um, and what the nation is as it becomes a more consumerist society. But I also think it parallels the crisis of identity and confidence the characters are going through because Abby has decided to move into that house because of her cancer diagnosis and feeling suffocated in her own childhood home. William is living there because he's figuring out what he wants to do after living in the commune. And Dorothy's main concern throughout the film is her lack of confidence in her parenting, which is why she recruits the other characters to, quote-unquote, help her raise Jamie into a man. Um, And Jamie says near the end of the film, like, I was happy um, when it was just me and you, like the way it was before. And that's not to say that um, he dislikes the other characters. I don't think he in the film, but it's more that she was overthinking um, her parenting when she didn't need to.
0: There was no doubt, in my mind at least, that she would not be a good mother. Um, we're never given any reason to doubt her, I don't think. I mean, as mothers go, we've had far worse on this module in terms of representation on film.
1: Definitely. And also, I think the fact that she's... Um, even considering the long-term impact of her decisions on Jamie is part of what makes her a good mother. Um, because some people <laughs> never consider that um, and make their reckless decisions.
0: Yeah, even when she's not articulate, she is emotionally intelligent. She doesn't always know what to say in a situation, but she'll sit with that. If that makes sense. Yes,
1: yeah, she she processes her emotions. I think we've um, covered most of what I wanted to say, the generational differences, feminism, the parent-child relationships, the family and what they mean to each other. Oh, yeah,
0: the community versus individuality and how that progresses through time.
1: And, like, the community um, it's important. Linking back to what Jamie says about the Great Depression because he says that back then, um, the village... Raised the kids, or the neighbourhood raised the kids, um, and I think that's why um, she believes that influence is important. Um, and we are all influenced by more than our parents. But I do think she did doubt herself too much. But thank you for um, talking about the film with me, Tom. And that is the end of our twentieth-century women practice of film criticism. 2022 podcast. Thank you for listening.